the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. This is Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. Each week, Wendy brings resources and information to help guide you through those next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Now, here's Wendy Jones with this week's guest. Good morning, and welcome to Next Steps for Seniors. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and each and every week, I love bringing you topics because Next Steps for Seniors is preparing you for life as you age, and that is why we are all here. Our topic today is going to be something very unique, but yet something everybody needs to know. We are going to be talking about stroke, stroke and heart attack. And the reason we're talking about stroke and heart attack is, did you know that that heart disease is the number one leading cause of death in the state of Michigan? And stroke is number five. So what's important to know, the signs and symptoms, the risk factors, prevention, these are all topics that you're going to hear about today. But before we get started, if you tuned in last week, we heard from a nurse who actually, because it's Nurses Month, which we all learned last week... We had a caller call in this this past week, and it was a great question. And I thought, you know, I need to share this with our listeners because this is something that I think is really important. Her question was, 
She has a nurse that comes into her house every week for home health care, it's called. So when you're getting physical therapy at home, a nurse comes in every week to do like a check. And she asked me, she said, how do I know what type of nurse it is? Because there are different levels of nurses. So this is a very interesting question. And I think it's important for our listeners to know, because did you know that the first start of care nurse is an RN, which is a registered nurse? So when you first get the script, you get home and the nurse shows up at your door 72 hours after you're in the house, that person is a registered nurse. And every week a nurse comes back to do additional check, uh, an additional check. But that follow-up nurse does not need to be an RN. That can be an LPN. But every LPN has an RN overseeing them. So I thought that was good to know because many of you listeners right now might have a loved one at home that's getting home health care. It's a very common thing, especially out of a hospital or out of a rehab. That's the number one thing physicians do is write a script for home health care. And I thought it was a great question from one of our listeners. And if you have questions, listeners, after any program, you can call our office at 248-651-5010 because we want to hear. We want to hear from you. We want to share information with you. This is why we're here. We, everybody ages. We all go through life. There's no secret pill that you can take that says, oh, I'm not going to get older. (laughs) I wish there was, but there's not. So our guest today is Elizabeth Jackson. She is an amazing woman. She works right here in a local hospital at Ascension Providence Rochester Hospital. She is an NP, which we learned what that was last week. (laughs) So we are thrilled to have you here today, Liz. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love spending time with you, Wendy. So happy to be here. Good, 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 good. And thank you for what you do because it is Nurses Week and you do so much for so many people and what you do for patients every day. We just appreciate you. Thank you. I know it's a great team. And yes, happy Nurses Week to all. It's been a fantastic week so far at Ascension Providence, Rochester. And we did, as we left the, the program last week, we said, okay, all, everyone listening, go out and thank a nurse because we've got nurses at home. We've got nurses in nursing homes. We've got nurses in hospitals, rehabs, schools. There's nurses everywhere. We just don't even realize it. So definitely we, we challenged everyone when we left. We said, go thank a nurse. So stroke, we're transitioning to stroke. And this is a very, it's a heavy topic. It is. Yeah. I mean, stroke, I, I learned today that every 40 seconds, someone suffers from a stroke. So this is a bigger issue than we, we realize. So we are here to talk about that and also in conjunction with heart disease because they they go hand in hand in some ways. So first from a stroke standpoint, I do want to talk about a little bit the two types of strokes that we see. Because I don't think everyone even knows that there are two right. types. Right. There, there are a couple different types and then a third subset. So one type is called uh, an ischemic stroke. And an ischemic stroke is when it's caused by a clot. So that's, you know, a, a clot is a formation of platelets that fill the blood vessel, and suddenly there's lack of blood flow to your brain. So you want blood flow to your brain, and lack of blood flow is not good. Uh, The second type is a hemorrhagic stroke, and that's when there's actually bleeding into the brain. So that's a different kind of treatment than an ischemic stroke, which is a clot to the brain. So And so is the... I mean, just because we're laymen, right? Sure. Is, is the clot actually in the brain, or is it somewhere else blocking the blood from going to the brain? It so the clot travels up 
usually from your heart or from the carotid artery up into a blood vessel in your brain. Got it. Mm-hmm. And then, so sometimes you hear people say, I had a mini stroke. So the the technical term is a TIA, and that is a mini stroke. And that's somewhat of a warning sign that you are at a very high risk of stroke. And even a TIA, a mini stroke, we call it, where the symptoms resolve within 24 hours is still an emergency and should be treated and evaluated. So that way you can reduce your risk for further damage or a bigger stroke. Okay. So you, you're just going to have to tell us what those symptoms might be that they might be experiencing that it sure. would be a mini stroke, right? Like how right. do they know? So mini stroke symptoms and stroke symptoms are the same. It's just that a mini stroke you don't resolves. Oh. It resolves on its own. And a ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke is not going to resolve on its own. So those are the two main. Um, we also wanted to talk a little bit about heart disease too, because we want to talk about some different types of heart attacks. Now, people talk about heart attacks a lot, and there's a wide range. Some people say, oh, I have angina or chest pain. Angina doesn't necessarily equal a heart attack. Angina is a narrowing in the blood vessel that's causing some feelings of chest discomfort, heaviness, but then it goes away and it's not causing an acute injury to your heart. But then there's the true heart attack, which is a true emergency. Time is muscle. So we want to get you guys to the hospital as soon as possible as you're feeling sustained chest pain. Sustained more than a minute, two minutes, three minutes, it's time to go and call 911. So when we see a heart attack called a STEMI, an ST elevation MI, that's an emergency. That means your EKG is showing signs that you need to go right to the cardiac catheterization lab uh, where they need to do a procedure where they go in through a catheter, shoot dye into your arteries, and they can check where the blockage is, open it with a balloon, and put a stent in. And it's time sensitive. It needs to be done right away. There's another kind of heart attack called a non-STEMI, a non-ST elevation MI. Now, that's still an emergency and an urgency, but not necessarily that you have to be rushed to the cath lab straight from the ER. So we see all of those, you know, at Ascension Providence Rochester, we have a team of people always responding to stroke, heart attack, and uh, but the goal is, is to get these people treated as soon as possible. So the, it starts at home. Because we can treat you as soon as we can in the hospital, but we need patients to recognize the signs and symptoms so they can get themselves, not themselves, they want to call 911 to get to the hospital. Don't drive yourself. (laughs) That's the number one rule. You always call 911 when you're experiencing any of symptoms of a stroke or a heart attack. And I'm just going to give you an example of why you call 911. I had a client that actually thought she might be having a heart attack and got in the car. And by the time she got to the hospital, she literally walked in and had the heart attack. So she was, it was very dangerous situation. Let me just say that. So listeners don't mess. Like don't, don't If you're even thinking, should I call 911? That means you call 911. Correct. Because the EMS providers, they have EKG leads. They have medications to give you. They have you know, defibrillator pads. And these are all so important in route to the hospital when somebody may be having a heart attack. And also they can 
alert the ER that, hey, we have a patient that is looks like they're having a heart attack, or we have a patient that's exhibiting true signs of a stroke. So when they can alert the ER team before, we call it pre-arrival alert, that means our teams can be ready to go as soon as that patient hits the door and start treating and get the best possible outcomes. We it- call it door to needle or door to balloon. Okay, there you go. Door to Mm -hmm. needle, door to balloon. If you hear that, (laughs) you know you're on your way. (laughs) Exactly. So we want to take care of you as quick as possible. Time, you said time is muscle. Yes, we, we say time is muscle for the heart because the longer you go without blood flow to your heart muscle, the more muscle damage you have. When you damage that muscle, it damages, we call it an ejection fraction. It's kind of the pumping function of your heart. And Wait, norm- say that really fast, like <laughs> ejection fraction, pumping function. No, so our pumping function should be around sixty percent. And sometimes with a heart attack, if you have a lack of blood flow or a long time where you've been waiting and and have uh, damage to the heart, your your pumping function can be around thirty, twenty five, ten. That's when you have symptoms of heart failure. With the brain, brain is also, it's not a muscle, but we need blood flow to our brain. So obviously time is brain, we say. And so the the more time you wait with a stroke, the more risk for long-term damage and irreversible damage in the brain. So, so call 911. Away, yeah, I was just going to say, take away, call 911 if you have anything going mm-hmm. on in regards to heart attack and stroke. But for the heart, time is muscle. For the... For the Stroke, time is brain. Correct. That's our you got from it. The, cir- first, the first segment. Now, going into second segment, we're going to talk about all the symptoms and things you need to know to transition and to understand what's happening in your body. You're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. Our topic today, heart attack and stroke. And we are blessed to have Liz Jackson with us here today, kind of explaining and we're talking through, you know, what happens, why it happens and what we need to do about it. But this segment, we're dedicating to the signs and the symptoms of both heart attack and stroke. And they're different. Don't lump them together. Two different things happening. So Liz, tell us a little bit about, what are we talking about first? We'll talk about stroke, Stroke. I think. Yeah. So a lot of people have heard about FAST or BFAST. That's a mnemonic that we can refer to to kind of remind people of what to look for in a stroke. So B, we're going to use BFAST. So it's B-E-F-A-S-T. So the B is for balance. So you want to check for a sudden loss of balance. If all of a sudden you feel like you're tipping over or you can't stand up straight, that is a balance issue and that could indicate a stroke. The E is for eyes. So eyes, your vision can definitely be affected by a stroke. So you can see double vision, blurred vision, um, you know, it, it vision could actually be lost on one side. So that's very important um, to, re, re, you know, remember. So that. It, really quick, is it sudden? So like yes. you'll be reading a Usually book and it's... all of a sudden an mm-hmm. eye goes black. Yes. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. Sudden now, eye change. that can be a sign of a stroke. Obviously, there's some ophthalmological <laughs> I know. Eye, Op- eye disease issues that yeah. can happen um, that can also cause this. But stroke can be one of the reasons. Um, so F. 
is for face. And this is a very, very big sign. If suddenly one side of your face is drooping, or you ask somebody to smile, and the left side of their face is smiling, and the right side of their face is frowning, that is a sign of a stroke. That is an immediate call 911, get that patient to the ER. Then we go to A. So A is for checking for arm and then we group leg weakness in there. If suddenly you're trying to drink your coffee and you can't grasp that mug with your left hand, but you could with your right hand, that's a sign of a stroke. That means that something is occluded and affecting the that side of your body. So is it always the left side? No. Okay. Could be, that was an example. No. Okay. But I know that's why I'm asking. Yes. So you could, <laughs> you have me here. Yes. You could, um, yes. Either side of your body can be affected. Typically it's one sided though, that it's affected. So usually if it's, you know, a right sided stroke, then the left side of your body is weak. The S is for speech. Sometimes suddenly people cannot get their words out. Like I couldn't with ophthalmologist (laughs) (laughs) or they might feel have garbled speech or incoherent speech, or they are trying to put a sentence together and they just can't get the words together. So that is a sign of a stroke um, that's affected a certain part of your brain. So that's a, that's a big red flag as well. And then the last thing we've touched on and it's not a symptom, but T is for time. We said this many times already, but time is brain. So if you have any of these symptoms, you need to call 911. This is emergency. This is an EMS run. This is not jump in the car and drive yourself kind Mm-mm. of symptoms. Nope. This isn't so, call your call your loved one and say, hey, no. do you think I should go mm-hmm. to the hospital? This is call 911 first. Correct. So the importance of this, I do, I do want to, I know we keep talking about time, but if you present to the hospital and the patient is there within three hours of their symptom onset, then they have, uh, we call it TPA. It's kind of a clot buster, we call it, a clot busting medication that can be given. So this may, this medication can open up the blood vessels give you back your blood flow, and symptoms can be very much improved. The key, though, is time that really should be given within a three to four hour window of your symptom onset. So that means that if at 6 a.m. you were having your coffee and you noticed you couldn't grab it with your hand, you need to get there by 9 a.m. at the latest for this to even be an option. So... Okay. Wow. This is serious stuff, listeners, because clearly I'm guessing, I don't even want to ask the question, but if you get the medication after four hours, so let's say it's six hours, it's just not as effective. It's not as effective. And sometimes it's not indicated. There's there's a certain window where there's a gray area, you may get it. And then there's a certain window that a neurologist will not use the medication because it's just not approved to be given. And, and we just want window. to say we're not neurologists. So right. we're giving you information that's basically... Mm-hmm. knowledge from, you know, all the, all the sites that we, that we have exactly, so, and the knowledge that Sweet Liz has. So listeners, this is, um, this is a story that I'm going to share with you right now that literally just happened today. I was at the hospital and as I was delivering some gifts for nurses week, one of, one of, uh, my clients is actually in the hospital and I thought, you know, I'm just going to stop in and say, hi, long story short, I was able to talk to him to find out what happened because he had a stroke, 
we believe it was a stroke. What happened to get him to, to this point? And I was, and thank goodness he could talk, right? Oh, Let's absolutely. just go back to the beginning. Right. So I said, I'm just curious because I'm doing a radio show today. It's so it's so bad, but I, I did. He's a good, he's a good patient and someone I know well. And he said, you know what, Wendy? He said, I knew when I got up in the morning that my balance was off. He goes, I knew something was off. And it wasn't like the room was spinning, but things were moving different up and down. Like he could feel balance was an issue. Mm -hmm. He didn't necessarily fall over, but he knew something was wrong. And I was like, really? And he goes, and I thought to myself, hmm, that doesn't feel right. And he goes, until my right, and this is why I asked you if it was right or left. He said, until my right arm felt like rubber. And mm. that's exactly how he explained it. He goes, Wendy, he goes, I went to I went to pick up my orange juice. He goes, I went to pick up my glass and my whole arm could it just the whole thing felt like rubber. Yes. And he told his wife, he goes, My arm feels like rubber. And as soon as he said it, she goes, she asked him a question. He couldn't answer the question. His speech. So he had many things he, affected. He started talking gibberish. Whatever, she, whatever he replied to her, she was like, done, 911. Like, you're like, this is it. We're, you're having stroke. Like, she knew immediately. So that was the first, I mean, this was first thing in the morning. They were in the hospital and getting this whatever medication you said mm -hmm. within the first three hours. So I actually had a conversation with him today. And guess what he did? Moved his right hand. Beautiful. So after I prayed for him, of course, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> throw that in there. But, but no, but this sweet man who... If he was alone or mm -hmm. if he didn't know or if whatever could have had a different outcome. Absolutely. So listeners, like, I mean, not to be like real strong on this, but this is life and death. This is the difference between recovery and maybe no recovery. Correct. Yeah. Is yes, because you can recover from a stroke, especially with the help of medications. Um the longer you go, like we said, the more damage typically is done. And then the more recovery that you have with physical therapy and occupational therapy. So really getting to the hospital in good time is, is the key. So listeners, if you have an elderly parent or loved one who's living in their home right now alone, I'm going to tell you the number one thing you can do. Put in some cameras, please. Put in some cameras so you know if your loved one is on the floor before, so you can call nine one one and get the the fire department there, and not show up the next morning, and they've been on the floor for twenty four hours right. because you just missed every window there could possibly be. For That's stroke. correct. And I'm just going to add, this is a true story. I had a client that called me, did not know his mom was on the floor, literally for twenty four hours at the front door, mm -hmm. and she never recovered. She couldn't. Yeah. There was, she literally got to a point where she went so long mm -hmm. that yeah, she lived. But it was in a vegetation straight. It was mm -hmm. horrible. Yes. And he was devastated because he had actually just lost his father. And this happens. This is very similar within months of each other because of the devastation of what you go through. Every death is a, is a trauma, really. It's Absolutely. just a matter of how we all handle it. And we all experience it at some time or another. It's going to happen to everyone. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't want to talk about it, but that's what we do on this program. We always talk about it because we want you to be prepared. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Knowledge is power, right? So get the video cameras, listener. Don't be this poor client. Like, let's all learn from what happened to him with his mother on the floor for 24 mm -hmm. hours. Let's get some cameras in there. They don't have to be in the, in the bathroom. They can be in the family room, in the foyer, in the kitchen, 
where your loved one is regularly at. Absolutely. But this could be the difference between what Liz just said, the three hours will make a huge difference in the life. Okay. I know you want to move into heart attack. We got one more minute. I do. I just want to make sure that everyone also knows about heart attack. Now, men typically experience the typical symptoms that everybody knows about with a heart attack, which is the fist clenched over your chest, really a lot of pressure. They call it an elephant sitting on your chest. I just want to mention there are other symptoms, especially in women. Women can feel nausea. They can feel some shortness of breath. They can break out into a cold sweat and feel lightheaded. Um, sometimes they have jaw pain, back pain. And so I just want to make sure that it's it's not just an elephant on your chest. There are other symptoms um, that could indicate heart attack. And so all it's never a bad thing that if you're concerned about what you're feeling, it's never a bad thing to get checked out. Yes, it could be indigestion. Yes, it could be you pulled a muscle, but we want to make sure that we are keeping that heart muscle safe and we will, you know, rule that out first. And so I want everyone to remember that as well. And call 911. Correct. (laughs) We'll be back in just one moment. This is Wendy Jones and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. We are here today with Liz Jackson, who's an NP right here at our community hospital and really is a wealth of knowledge because we're talking about stroke and heart attack. It is Stroke Awareness Month, and that's why we're here. We like to talk about the things that nobody likes to talk about, right? Absolutely. (laughs) We'll dive right in. So we're diving right in. So we're talking about risk factors. Yes. So with stroke and heart attack, there's a lot of overlap with the risk factors. There's not a certain list just for stroke and a certain list just for heart attack. Well, there are, but they there's a lot of overlap. If you had a Venn diagram, they're pretty much similar. So the number one, one I, I kind of classify them in two different types. Some are hereditary. It's not risk factors that you can control. And then there are some risk factors you absolutely control and you do have you know, you you have the ability to choose. So some risk factors that may be passed on by our parents could be hypertension or high blood pressure. So high blood pressure can be hereditary. It also can be caused by, you know, excessive salt, obesity, lack of exercise. So high blood pressure can be passed down, but some of the things that you do in your lifestyle can lower your blood pressure. So that's a big one. Uh, Another one that can be passed on, but also is contributed by your own lifestyle is diabetes. Diabetes can run in families. We know that, especially, you know, type two diabetes, which is usually later onset and um, not the type one where you lack insulin. So that is hereditary, but also very controllable by your own lifestyle choices, whether it's by your food intake and your your um, exercise and how much sleep you're getting, that sort of thing. So that's, that's another one. Um, high cholesterol. I think some people are frustrated with their cholesterol numbers, and this is definitely hereditary. I have patients that run marathons and exercise every day, and they still have a bad LDL, which is your bad cholesterol, which can cause more of the plaque buildup and causing stroke and heart attack. So that is hereditary, but that also can be very much lifestyle driven. So there's kind of two two uh, components to that. 
Uh, the other one. Can I ask you one yes, question on absolutely. that? So the LDL is more important technically than the overall cholesterol number? Um, because a lot of people are saying, hey, if you're over 200, you're not good. So but that's not necessarily... Okay. Yeah, I... There is a total cholesterol, but there's a lot that goes into that total cholesterol number. HDL is your heart protective cholesterol, and we like HDL to be high. Got it. So that's why I always remember H and high. And HDL, if you're HD, we want that to be up. That is your heart protective cholesterol. And so some people's heart protective, your HDL is like 80 or 90, which is really high. And that will drive your overall cholesterol number up. It doesn't necessarily mean that if your ratio is still good, it doesn't necessarily mean you need medications or any changes. So the LDL is the bad cholesterol. And that's where we we do want to drive that number down. Uh, so L either, for low. L for low. Got it. Exactly. See, it doesn't take me long. <laughs> You're, you are a good student. <laughs> um, the other thing that we I've I've touched on is just physical activity. This is super important to lower your risk of stroke and heart attack. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but physical activity is also directly related to obesity and elevated BMI. Now I know BMI gets a bad rap because it is there. It's not for everybody, but I think in general, um, you know, the adipose tissue more around the gut area is not good for cardiac health, stroke health. So that's, that's what we also focus on. Now, one, one risk factor in particular that can affect your stroke risk is atrial fibrillation. And I know that that is a huge diagnosis as you get older. This is a very common heart arrhythmia. And they call it AFib because sometimes just know it is AFib. Like when you said atrial, whatever, I mean, yes. I'm just like, oh, you mean AFib? Yes. So AFib is a very, very common heart arrhythmia, especially as we get older. It, the The occurrence is higher and higher and higher. And the percentage as you get older, it's, it's, it's a very likely that people will end up with AFib as they get older. So it's like, what can we do though? Okay, wait. So what exactly is AFib? Yes. AFib is when the top chamber of your heart and the bottom chamber of your heart, your atrium and your ventricle are not really in sync. So the atrium, the top part is fluttering or fibrillating. That's where the term comes from. And the bottom part of your heart, your ventricle just keeps on pumping like it wants to in a nice rhythm. So the top part of your heart's fibrillating. And what happens is because it's fibrillating or fluttering, it's not giving a good pump. And so blood pools in that part of your heart and kind of is stagnant. And we know when blood is stagnant or pools in that chamber, it can form a clot. So then we go back to the first segment. Yes. Okay. Ischemic stroke. So there are there are types of stroke that are formed by clots. And so when that clot forms in your heart and then breaks off, it travels up through your carotid artery into your brain, and that's what causes a stroke. So that's why atrial fibrillation slash AFib slash irregular heart rate is very important to have diagnosed and treated by cardiologist primary, et cetera. Wow. We are on like a huge one-on-one lesson here. And this is fantastic, Liz. Thank you. Yeah, because honestly, when I, when we opened the segment and I said, okay, heart and stroke, two different things, you just showed me why people get confused with that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, yeah, they're, they're two different things, but they're also related. Right. Mm-hmm. So also with heart, 
heart, when we talk about heart attack, there is some, that's usually when your artery starts to get narrowed by plaque, which could be caused by high blood pressure, uh, high cholesterol, smoking. And when that happens in the heart, we also know it can happen in the other vessels of your body. So it can happen in your legs. It can happen in your carotid artery, which is the artery in your neck. So when it happens in the carotid artery, which is the artery in your neck, that is very high likelihood that if there's a narrowing, there's usually a clot formation there, which also can break off and cause a stroke. So we, when we, we know that you have heart disease, then we start looking You're for watching. other disease in the other arteries. Now, if you have heart disease, you also want to look for your, we call them the peripheral arteries, which is the arteries in your legs. So sometimes when you have narrowing of the arteries or the, yeah, narrowing of the arteries in your legs, you can feel cramping. We call it claudication, especially as you walk. So sometimes you're okay walking to the mailbox and back, but let's say you have to walk three blocks to go meet a neighbor and you feel a cramping and tightness in your calf muscles. That's a sign that there could be narrowing in your arteries of your legs. It's the same thing that happens with your heart. Your heart feels that cramping and tightness, but it's just a heart muscle, so you feel that chest pain. So would you consider that a symptom, potentially? Feeling that cramping in your legs, so like a lot, that it, you should get your heart checked out? If you have that symptom, it's a symptom of vascular disease, and the vascular system is throughout your whole body. So if you have symptoms of claudication, we call it, or cramping in your legs, that means you should get your heart checked and you should get your neck vessels checked. Because if you have disease in your leg vessels, you likely have disease in your heart vessels and your neck vessels. And just out of curiosity, how do they check that? Is it like blood work? Yeah, that's a good question. So we can check it non-invasively, meaning we don't have to go in with any incisions or, or die, but we do things called ABIs, which is a, a testing where we test the blood pressures in your upper extremities and your lower extremities, and we check with Dopplers so we, we can see if there's a lack of blood flow. We can also do a CAT scan of your lower extremities, and that does involve dye, um, and we can see the actual vessels. And then you can go one step further and actually do testing more invasively instead of doing the heart catheterization where they go up and check your blood vessels of your arteries with dye into your heart. You can actually go down and check your legs too. Interesting. Yes. And I'm sure it's got to be pretty serious to get to that point where you're going in to, to, to yes. Look. I mean, there's many steps. It's not before like I then. had a cramp last week. Correct. It's like, okay. Let's yeah. make sure this is okay. There's a lot of work up before then, but there, that means that if you've gotten to that point, there's a possibility that they want to fix it. And it, in the same way they fix the heart with a balloon and a stent, they can do that into your legs too. And so this is, you know, it's, it's the world we're living in that you want to keep, you want to be, you want to know these signs and symptoms so that you can advocate for yourself or your loved ones. So you can get the appropriate testing and get these things fixed if you can. And listeners, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is important if, you know, tell your PCP, tell your primary care physician, and they'll refer you to a cardiologist. Yes. You need to have a good cardiologist. If you have anything that we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. I would say that's the number one key thing. Yeah. Which we're probably going to talk about how to find the best cardiologist in the next segment, along with prevention. 
So listeners, keep tune in. We've got one more segment, but I think what's important is you need to know all these things can happen, but you also need to know there is a way to prevent it. Absolutely. So let's all be a little proactive, right? Moving forward versus, I mean, we want you to know what to deal with it when you're in a crisis, but we don't want to get to the crisis if we can avoid it. I love it. (laughs) You're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors, the program that prepares you for life as you age. Our topic today is stroke and heart attack, and we've learned an absolute ton in the last three segments. And what we're going to turn the tables just a tad in this last segment and talk about prevention. But before we do that, I do have to share with our listeners, not just is heart disease the number one in Michigan, it's the number one in the nation. And stroke is number five leading cause of death. So it is important. 5.2% of total deaths in the United States are caused by stroke. So this is why this is our topic today. And the month of May is Stroke Awareness Month. So this is a great time to educate yourself, to learn more. You can reach out to our office, our Facebook page. Please like us. Next Steps Number 4 Seniors on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel now. So you can definitely go on that, get some videos and some good information regarding Next Steps for Seniors and what happens as we age and why things happen and what we can do about it. Um, but let's talk about prevention now, Liz, because I, this is probably going to be my favorite topic because I'm all, <laughs> I'm all about let's keep this from even happening. I agree. I think prevention is key. Uh and there are some things that even though you've, you know, maybe had a certain diet or smoked, even the changes that you make now will still be hugely impactful. So it's never too late. That's my first message. So with stroke and heart disease, there are, like we talked about, a lot of the same risk factors. There are a lot of the same things that you can do to reduce your risk of both. So the number one thing is smoking. So smoking is not, a lot of people say, oh, I know it's bad for your lungs. It's not just bad for your lungs. Like we know that, but smoking actually does a lot of damage to the lining of your blood vessels and causes irritation and inflammation. And when your blood vessels are being irritated and inflamed, that's what causes the narrowing and these plaques to build and then a plaque forms and then a clot forms on that. And that's what breaks off and causes heart attacks and strokes. So smoking is not just an issue with your breathing or COPD or emphysema. It actually is a huge contributor to your stroke risk, your heart attack risk, and especially your peripheral vascular disease risk, which is what we had just talked about with that. Yes, the cramping cramping in the legs. So let me ask you this just because, and I know it's new, but what about this whole vaping thing? Does that also have an effect? It does. I would assume. Okay. Yeah. They both equal each other as bad news. Okay. (laughs) So so number one, no smoking. Exactly. Don't start. And if you are smoking, it's it's a tough habit to quit. There are so many resources, especially in Michigan. We have a whole quit kit where you can call a 1-800 number. They have people call you to give you support. There are, you know, treatments with medications that you can do. There are patches. There are lozenges. There are... um, 
there's a lot of support out there. And so I do want to make sure people realize that we understand it, it's a hard habit to quit. Acupuncture. Just an acupuncture. We yes. had an acupuncturist on the program a while back. And when he said that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he got a ton of phone calls, but people are like, Oh, I need to quit smoking. I'm going to go to acupuncture. Yes. Why not try it? Yes. And it's, it's really never too late. As soon as you stop, your heart rate goes down just within hours. Your, um, your blood pressure improves after days. So there is a, you can see the improvement even mm -hmm. after quitting for a day. Well, so. and, and I have to tell you, we had foster children and the parents smoked. And when they came into our house, the parents said to us, well, they have asthma. And I was like, okay. So they gave me this whole kit and everything. After two weeks, both kids completely fine, breathing normal, no heaviness, no nothing. It was the smoke. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So secondhand smoke is bad. Right. Right. And I think every, I mean, this is not a new concept, but I guess I also want to tell people that there are a lot of resources out there now compared to what I knew even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, definitely check out those resources. Um, the other thing is, is physical activity. And I think physical activity can be overwhelming at times when people think, oh gosh, I have to get up and get my 150 minutes in this week and I got to get up and run on the treadmill or I got to get on the Stairmaster for 30 minutes. That's It doesn't need to be that way. Phys we just want people to get up and moving. If you can't dedicate a solid 30 minutes, then make some small changes. Start by walking to the mailbox and back. Start by parking your car, you know, a little the, further in the, in the space, maybe towards the end of the aisle instead of the front of the aisle. Um, take those stairs. I'm a big fan of the stairs at work. That's how I get a lot of steps in. Um, even when we go up to the ICU on the eighth floor, I'm taking the stairs to get my you. heart pumping. So I think that it doesn't have to, it can be overwhelming when we tell people to exercise, but exercise comes in all forms. It can be getting outside and gardening. It can be, you know, walking around the block with your friend. It can be going down the nature trail. I think there's a lot of options besides just thinking of it as running on the going treadmill the gym, or going right. to the gym. So I just want people to think of it maybe a little bit outside the box where just, you know, just get up out of the chair and take a stroll around the house, you know, after. I have to tell you, listeners, I've, I've probably talked to 10 90-year-old plus people and every single one of them, every single one of them, when I ask them what their secret is, they say mobility. They say walking. I walk every day. Every one of them said walking. I was like, okay, well, guess what I'm going to start doing? Yes. So... My great-grandfather and great-grandmother are both living in, uh, well, it's my my grandparents, my kids' great-grandparents, okay. so we call them Gigi and Papa, and they are 95 and 97, living in Florida, and they walk every single day. It's the day. secret. Listeners, mm -hmm. it is the secret. This yes. is prevention. We're talking about prevention. Just get up and walk. Just I don't care if it's five minutes or 30 minutes. I, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Every time you get up and move, it's helping your body, well, your heart. And tell your... us why it's helping because your blood is circulating, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and to be honest, obviously physical activity helps your heart. I mean, it is shown to improve your cardiovascular outcomes. It's shown to reduce your risk of stroke, but physical activity helps your mind too. And there's a lot of endorphins relieved, re released. And when you have that mindset where you're feeling better, it kind of builds upon itself. And so I, I highly encourage that. The other thing that helps your mind that some people take for granted or think that they don't need is sleep. 
There are more and more studies showing that a solid foundation of sleep, it's seven to nine hours for adults and even more for kids, is the foundation of health. (laughs) And so sleep is important when you get a lack of sleep or um, trying to shorten your night to fit more in. It's increasing cortisol levels, stress hormones. It's it's disrupting a lot. It's causing more inflammation in your body. Inflammation equals irritation in the vessels of your heart, and which causes heart attack, stroke, etc. So, and when you say sleep, you're not meaning. I mean. You want them to sleep for a straight seven hours, not get up every 25 minutes. Right. There's people that are up. I understand. Sleep hygiene is important. You know, setting up a good bed bedtime and not watching shows in bed and blue light and sleepy sleepy tea, tea. lower the lights, that sort of thing. And I understand people do have medical, medical conditions that may awake them at night. There's, you know, sometimes you have to use the bathroom or people have some back pain that may have to toss and turn. I am just saying there's there's a lot of people that will cut sleep and to to, to try to do something to else to be more effective no. and more efficient and that's what working. I'm saying is like cutting sleep is not going to be good for you in the long term so it has to be a priority in in the overall if we're talking preventative medicine so the other kind of basics is blood pressure you got to get your blood pressure checked you have to have a primary cardiologist I think it's important to know your numbers. I know people say that 120 over 80 is really the goal and below. And we're okay if you're running. Some people say, oh, it's too low. It's 100 over 60. If you feel good at that, we are happy. This this is a good blood pressure. So knowing your numbers for cholesterol, it is important. We talked about your LDL and your HDL, your good cholesterol, your bad cholesterol, it's important to know those numbers. Sometimes diet and exercise are not the only things that we need. We do need medications to help control that too. And listeners, I recommend, and I don't know if you would agree with this, but I get mine checked every year. I would never not get my cholesterol, LDL, and HDL checked. I mean, they they do blood work at my physician's office every year Mm -hmm. to double check on this stuff. You just don't want to all of a sudden five years goes by and you're like, oh my gosh, my cholesterol is through the roof. Well, you should know that. Right. And that's where sometimes, you know, when you're getting your cholesterol checked, they might start with lifestyle modifications and change your diet here or there, increase fruits and vegetables, increase activity, and then recheck and see where you're at. So that's definitely a possibility. And the also the other thing is just make sure you're following up with this primary and cardiologist because, um, and if you don't have one, you know, use your resources to try to find one because they do need to be checking up on these things, checking an EKG. So I definitely want to make sure everyone's following up with their their providers. And this is a great segue. Yes. Next week, listeners, we have a primary care physician that's going to be on the program. So they will be talking about why a primary care, which we also call a PCP, is so important. So stay tuned for that as well coming next week. And Liz, is there any last minute takeaway? We've got 30 seconds left in the program that you want to just drill home if someone's just tuning in to the well, program. I, I mean, thank you for this time, first of all, Wendy. But I, and t- speaking of time, time is brain, time is muscle. And I would say call 911 for any of these symptoms that we've had. We really want to make sure that we're getting our patients in and treating them as soon as we can. That is a great point. Please don't drive to the hospital. Any stroke, heart attack, any symptoms that you're having that we discussed, 911 is, is the answer. Absolutely. You're listening to The Patriot FM 101.5 AM 1400. 
You've been listening to this week's edition of Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. You can reach Wendy with any questions you have at area 248-651-5010. That's 248-651-5010. Join us again next week as Wendy provides more information and resources for those important next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.